Welcome to Made in Progress, a podcast produced by The Maidcast, which is in turn produced by the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment. This is a podcast where I, Leland, talk to the next generation of game developers about the games that made them. Today's guest is Hannah El Mansouri, who is about to graduate with their Master's of Science in Games and Playable Media from University of California, Santa Cruz. And her latest game is called Vertical Slice. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So to start, do you want to tell our audience a little bit more about you? Sure. So a little backstory about me. I grew up between two countries. So I grew up in on like the East Coast of mm-hmm. the U.S. and moved when I was uh, nine years old to Morocco because that's where oh. my parents are from. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided I wanted to do computer science out of no re- like for no reason. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, this is a, a funny story. Uh, one of the gen ed classes that I had to take, uh, the professor was asking us, hey, what do you guys want to do after you graduate? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what I'm going to do with this degree. And then I heard someone say, oh, I want to work for a big game studio. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I should do that, too. <laughs> Just copy that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so I decided I would copy somebody else's dream. And uh, <laughs> I started making games in uh, college in, for undergrad uh, in my CS or comp sci major. I decided that even though the professors sort of expected software, I decided that I would be making games. <laughs> what are games if not a form of software? Exactly. <laughs> so my capstone for undergrad was a game that I called a, a Kingdom Kidnapped. And so that nobody would object to make, making a game for my capstone, I told them that I would be putting AI into it. And I ended up putting some machine learning. And it was kind of mm. cool. It was, that is cool. It's, it's, really, it's a really interesting process to, to, to go through. And my god the 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 package that you have to like use with unity is such a nightmare <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare <laughs> i'm i'm sure it is uh and we'll talk a little more about um some of your more recent projects uh later but i want to actually jump all the way back to you as a little tiny child um what are some of your earliest video game memories Ah, okay. So I think my first console was the PS1, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe. Some, like, insignificant game, some, like, Pac-Man or whatever my parents thought was good for children. (laughs) I didn't really start playing games until, I think, and then, like, later on I got, like, my parents got me a Game Boy Advance SP, which I love to death. Classic. And I just like can't find it anymore. Oh, tragic. <laughs> it's horrible. Then I got more into playing games and I thought, hey, I'm kind of good at fighting games. I'm kind of good at uh, a bunch of different games. And then I remember the one game 
that I thought was really, really cool. Partially because Loki, I am a big weeb, <laughs> <laughs> is The World Ends With You by Screen I don't X. know that game. Oh, it's good. I love it. It's basically a game about you play as this guy called uh, Neku. I think it's like it's also available for the Switch now. They've made a Switch mm-hmm. version. Neku sort of wakes up on the streets of Shibuya and doesn't know what he's doing there. He has like a little thing on his hand. Nobody can see him. And it's sort of, you sort of follow and play as him and try to figure out what's going on. I don't want to give anything else away because yeah, it's definitely. really interesting. But that's a game that I really, that really stuck with me that is probably one of my more, some of, it's really one of my favorite games. Yeah. That's great. Um, did your your taste in games over time, did it change? Or, or do you think you've been pretty consistent about the games that you've liked throughout time? You mentioned you love fighting games, so. I do. I do love fighting games, but... That's not like my favorite kind. Like I've I've definitely um, learning more about sort of how games are made, and I had no idea when I was younger that there are games that were made independently. Uh, so totally. I started looking into independent games when I was in um, undergrad, and I realized that I liked those ones more, partially because they were a lot cheaper. And oh, absolutely, and- <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, and in part, they have so much personality, and I I really find myself like, uh, drawn to games made by smaller studios and smaller, um, you know, because it it feels less pandery and it it feels like more genuine somehow, and like they have like a yeah, real absolutely. story to tell. Um, so I sort of went from playing the Xbox 360 and playing like whatever Naruto game was on that, <laughs> uh, to, uh, playing stuff like the witch's house, which is, I, I love that game. I really love, um, top down 2d, uh, horror games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the witch's house is a really good example. Uh, uh, Oni, which is like blue, uh, ogre or blue demon or something. Um, that one's also a really good one. Um, and then uh, I've sort of evolved even more to 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 like sort of the the old style like PSX games that people are making now that you can find on itch. I've started really playing more or taking a look at either free games or I had purchased the racial inequality bundle um, yeah. on itch and it's turned out to be like such a treasure trove of awesome games to make uh, to, to not make sorry to uh, <laughs> to play yeah there's some there's some really really great gems uh in that bundle I Earlier in the pandemic, when I had less to do, was trying to play a new game from that bundle every single day, um, which I kept up for a, a very short amount of time, as as one would assume. And there's so many really interesting, really lovely, lovely games in there. Um, I don't know if that bundle is still a thing. I don't know if it is. But if you are one of those people who bought that bundle in the pandemic because you wanted to support the really good cause... 
actually check out the games in there. There's some some really fun hidden gems. Like there's one that's literally just solitaire that I've been playing like nonstop. It's wild. <laughs> so anyway, let's actually talk about Vertical Slice because I think it's such a cool concept. Um, this is a game about game development. So it's definitely relevant to this podcast. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, well, about the development process for that game? Oh, of course. So to introduce it, Vertical Slice was a game that was pitched for our capstone. So not pitched by me, pitched by my friend uh, Quinn, who asked me to be on the team because it's it's supposed to sort of emulate what the field is like so every single person gets to pitch a game, and that one got picked. Anyway, moving forward, uh, Vertical Slice is a really interesting game about... It follows a team of video game developers who are developing a game that they really believe in, but might not be as good as they want it to be. So it sort of follows them on their development journey and it we wanted to shine a light on the different aspects of like working on a team and like the dynamics of a team in like the sort of video game uh, development space to show people what it looks like from our side because a lot of people don't see the amount of work that goes into a game it seems all seamless and everything but for a game to be seamless, the team has to work really well together. And uh, how was that experience of working with the team for that game? Honestly, it was a breeze. It was oh, that's not, lovely. Yeah, it was. It was pretty great. I was the producer and one of the level designers for that game. I also ran playtests, so I got to have a little bit of. How do I say this? I I got to experience a lot of parts of this team. Mm -hmm. And I got to sort of run the the meetings, which was really interesting. And um, getting to know the people who I was working with, because I did know some of them, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting to learn about making video games in a team while making a game about a team that's may or may not be (laughs) good together. (laughs) That is so meta. I really, I really love that. Um, I want to say this in a way that, you know, respects your, your field, your professional lot, but, uh, how, how do you make video game development fun to play through as a video game? Because it seems like it is often a very tedious thing to do. Okay. So there, it takes a kind of person to get into video game development So I'm not going to say that not everyone can get into video game development because that's not true. But you have to keep in mind that once you learn about the tricks and the the sort of how everything works, some of the magic might be lost. So I (laughs) know a lot of people in my program with me who complain all the time that they can't turn off the game developer in their head when they're playing games and they're like, oh, I know what they're doing here. I can see it. I know. Ah, they're not tricking me. I can see this. Right. Like it's not it's no longer like in your subconscious. It's like fully out there. But I never found an issue with that. I actually enjoy the sort of analytical. I see what the developer is doing here. I, I yeah, it, it's honestly it opens your eyes up 
to um, almost the science behind game design. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I like that you're trying to kind of open that door a little bit for somebody who is not a game developer. Um, but it also seems like it is a game for game devs as well, that you're kind of trying to straddle both of those audiences, that maybe there's some inside jokes and things for people oh, who know what's going on. And <laughs> on the other side, uh, you know, the layman can see a little bit about what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. I would also like to sort of explain the meaning of vertical slice because vertical slice is a a sort of term that not everybody knows about, especially outside of the industry. So vertical slice is sort of presentation that video game teams go through when they're moving from pre-production to production, or at least for us, it's from pre-production to production. Mm -hmm. A vertical slice basically takes the game that you have now, whatever you've developed, takes sort of like a cuts through it and sees, can you finish this in the time oh. that you've, you know, can, can you finish this in the time that we will be giving you? Is this going to be way out of scope? Will you, in other spaces, will you need, will we need to spend too much money on you? They kind of see if that project is viable. And if it's viable, then it can continue to production, but if it's not viable, it gets cut. And there are a lot of things that get cut at vertical slice that nobody even knows. That is, that is terrifying. I guess that's, that's kind of like the pilot of a TV series. Um, it seems closest to, but that is terrifying as a concept. And I know that uh, a lot of uh, developers experience this where they work on projects that go through this sort of like this process and get cut and gets cut and they can't even talk about it they've been they've spent so much time working on like these sort of projects Mm -hmm. and they're just like well it's gone now like we can't keep working on it but also we can't talk about it yeah that is wow that I can't imagine how how frustrating that is to be so passionate about something and then not even be able to tell people afterwards So in our past episodes, um, I've talked to my guests kind of about the pros and cons of going to school for uh, game design or games-related degrees. Um, What made you decide to pursue your master's for games, and do you feel like it was worth it? Uh, This is a good question, because the reason I picked this program in particular is because this uh, the people who teach these classes that head this program are very connected in like in the games industry. Um, our program head, um, MJ Michael John, we just call him MJ. He <laughs> has worked on uh, <laughs> he worked on the original Spyro and countless other projects, and he's sort of brought that knowledge to the classroom, and it's been really it's been really fun and really eye-opening to see how his experiences, how his experiences, like, his experiences kind of, like, inspire us. They, like, get us to um, come up with our own crazy ideas because that's what school's Mm -hmm. for. So I would say, because this program is really just a, a good way to network, because they'll also bring in industry professionals to see our pitches, which was really scary. I think that is had, that does sound terrifying. I think we had the creative director of Stadia there, 
Mm. It was absolutely terrifying. Um, and for <laughs> for vertical slice as well, I think there are a bunch of like high profile people that come to to see you to to see the work that you're doing. But that being said, I did learn a lot from this program also. And there's a great network of alumni that I'm now able to contact for advice or for helping get a job because the really hard part about the games industry is getting a job. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that does seem to be the tough part. Um, In our normal podcast episodes, we um, have been talking to, you know, like a lot of the great legends of the early video game scene. And it was, you just kind of walked in and like played a, you know, like a, a round of pong with the company's like president. And then you had a job making video games and it is (laughs) not like that. Now I hear. Yeah. It's really, really not. It's hard to even get somebody to respond to you. You've got to have somebody to give you the advice to, or just a connection to, right. to get you in there. So I would say that it's not necessary to go and pursue a master's in game design, but it doesn't hurt to do that. Okay, And, and you get to learn from like fantastic game designers and, you know, artists and you get to just, just the fact that you're working with other people like this is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like those sort of opportunities really um, matter for getting a job, but also for just the diversity of ideas and kind of informing how you think about games and um, really cool stuff like that. Um, So, I mean, that brings me to the the really tough, scary question. Uh, What is next for you? Like, what what does your next five years look like? (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) I just really, really hope to get a job. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been tough mostly because I'm looking into roles that are more production related. Mm -hmm. And those are um, not typically open to people who've just graduated college and have no experience. (laughs) (laughs) And because finding a job in design whether that's game design or level design is a little bit tough as well because they're not usually there aren't too many people hiring entry-level people for for these positions but I'm optimistic (laughs) (laughs) that's good it's good to be optimistic you know uh you know I think we all know that it is an industry that kind of sucks to get into so I think (laughs) the best you can do is is be optimistic (laughs) Well, that is that is exciting. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed for you. Uh, Ideally, though, like what sort of games or what sort of teams would you want to be working on? Um, Honestly, I don't really have a preference. I kind of like I don't I'm not thrilled about like working on like a shooter game. I'm not going to name any. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh! You reasons. can name them. We spend every episode of this like making jokes about how Call of Duty is the only video game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, that's exactly what I meant. 
<laughs> Although, so um, if you like make Call of Duty games and you're looking to hire, just please, please ignore this part of the podcast. Oh please God, like skip please. forward I've 30 tried, seconds. I've already tried applying. Please. <laughs> you have my application. <laughs> but I'm guessing uh, from from how much you love indie games and and smaller teams, it sounds like you would be happiest on like a small team, smaller project. Is that is that? correct? Absolutely. I would at some point really like to be on an indie um, or an independent studio uh, team, but I would really just like to have the experience of working at a AAA studio just to see um, what it's like. And I'm honestly, I'd be so stoked to just like work on a, a cool project, you know, just like one that takes a lot of people to make, because I just think that's super cool to work with so many people on a project that just looks really good and plays really good. Yeah, there is that kind of appeal of being a cog in a very well-oiled machine and being able to be like, I contribute to that. Like this game, that this like AAA game that, you know, is in all the articles and all the memes and everything. Like I did a little tiny part of that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, you know, get some experience so that the indie games will pay attention to you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you feel like you shouldn't share this, you don't have to and we'll cut it out. But uh, I've been talking to our guests a lot about how every every game developer, every game designer has like a almost white whale game that they would love to make, but they think it would never happen because of the way the games industry is and the way the world is. Do you have a game idea like that? Uh, I do. I have like one or two. Uh, I have the game that I pitched for. I pitched for the program that didn't pass. It went through the first pass of um, of uh, judges, if you will, but it did not uh, pass the final for final consideration. Which, like, I understand. Um, it's a game now. Anybody at this point who wants to play. Vertical Slice will recognize this. I named my game Agency, except it's not Agency with like a, you know, C-Y at the end. It's Agent C. Ah, I get it. So I see the pun. Like a, a pun uh, on two different things, actually. So it's basically a story about a person who gets really, really sick and they don't know what's going on. They get admitted to a hospital and they're sitting there and they're just sort of getting worse and worse, but they'll go in and out of fever dreams. Mm -hmm. So in the real life, they'll be sort of incapacitated and and unable to really do much. And they'll see that less and less people really kind of really don't care what happens to them. And then switching. Yeah, it's really it's really not good. Uh, <laughs> heavy, a heavy game. <laughs> it's not a happy game. Uh, and uh, switching from that to uh, the sort of fever dream where they're, they suddenly have agency and they have, oh. they're able to move around and basically fight what is um, making them sick in a very mm-hmm. like, you know, I, in this game, I wanted to uh, personify uh, the symptoms that they're, they're experiencing so like for example i wanted it to be like you'll face an enemy so okay 
<laughs> to backtrack a little bit, when you're in this fever dream state, you think that you are a secret agent hunting down some big evil person. And you don't know mm-hmm. what they, they're, they're planning on doing. You don't know what they've done. And you keep meeting their henchmen, which is really a personification of the symptoms that they're feeling. So every boss fight is them in the real life having a real life crisis. So like cardiac arrest or liver failure Mm -hmm. or something like that. And by fighting these bosses and overcoming them, you're overcoming that in real life. And so it's sort of used as like a a coping mechanism. And yeah, it was going to be like this 2D... I want to say 2D masterpiece of like, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Good, um, no, have that self-confidence. Say it was going to be a 2D masterpiece. It was going to be a 2D masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I was, uh, the game was inspired in part by surprisingly not the pandemic. Uh, wow. Shocking. <laughs> I know. But like in, in a very real sense, it was actually inspired by, um, so I had an experience last year where my dad was in the hospital and they didn't know what was going on with him. And mm-hmm. he was sort of, he was getting sick and he had like, he was kind of delirious and, and, and having a, like a fever. Like he's all fine now, but they still never found out what happened. Oh, wow. And it was very weird. It was a very weird experience, but I had always wondered what he was thinking and what he was going through. And like, if he was actually present with us or if he was like somewhere else, Right. Mm-hmm. So that just sort of inspired this idea. Yeah. That is that is really cool. And speaking of inspirations, like what what sort of games inspire you either from your childhood from now? Like what games do you play? And you're like, this makes me want to make a game. <laughs> um, a very a, a very big one for me is uh, Undertale. I Really, really, really mm-hmm. love Undertale, and I don't know if you can see uh, what's going on in my background. I have a Napstablook uh, plushie and a pillow, which were both uh, presents, <laughs> because Aww. my friends know how much I love Undertale. Um, but Undertale really, really inspired me to, I guess, to make games because it's it's such a it's such a it was made in such a small period of time, like in such totally. a short amount of time, and it's covered all of its bases. So it's not like it's never the same experience twice. Right. Mm-hmm. There are so many different ways that you can play that game. There's so much hidden dialogue. There's so many like funny uh, Easter eggs. Uh, my favorite being the quiche under the bench. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, it's the abandoned quiche. Uh, so if you go um, in the waterfall section for it, I'm uh, I'm sure anybody who's listening to this um, has played. You never know. Um, I also, (laughs) uh, this is a deep, dark secret. I have not played Undertale. Um, And, and furthermore, Undertale was only spoiled for me. I'm, I'm really terrible. Like I always want to avoid spoilers. And even for like games that are incredibly old Um, and not that Undertale is incredibly old, but like, I'll be like, don't give me portal spoilers. But um, (laughs) like Undertale was like spoiled for me like last year or something like that. And I was really upset. And this person was like, if you have not played Undertale yet, like you have no <laughs> business getting annoyed by spoilers. And I was like, oh, you're right. I really should have played. Um, but that's my confession that I've not played Undertale. But I'm sure that hopefully most of our listeners have played. 
There is a section of the game where you can just sort of, basically it's off a main room. And once you traverse over there, there's just like a, a quiche under a bench. And when you <laughs> pick it up, it's called Abandoned Quiche. And uh, there's like a little sign or a note or something. I can't remember what it is that says, I couldn't handle the responsibility. <laughs> and the problem is, uh, not the problem. The, 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 the thing is when you try to pick it up and if your inventory is full, it'll give you like an equally depressing little like dialogue thing. And it's, it's that, that game has so much personality and so much, ex- mm-hmm. so like excellent world building that I'm just, yeah. like, I'm super in love with it. Um, that's really my main, um, I'm sure like there are other games that I really, really enjoy that like. Yeah. Undertale is definitely, definitely something special. Um, I feel like in terms of what that game does and, and did for indie games and for the industry and for kind of this idea of what games can be you know as a video game museum we're pretty concerned about like well what's going to be in the video game museum in the future and like what is worth preserving and like what is really emblematic of video games in a certain era and like Undertale is all of those things Um, so I'm sure that once time goes on enough because it's a little recent to be in our museum there (laughs) There will be Undertale, um, which is, I mean, I, I feel like it's a game that really deserves to be a big inspiration. And I'm, I, it definitely is a big inspiration for a, a lot of people who are current and future game devs. Uh, if you don't mind, I have another sort of game series that really I find it has inspired me. Yeah, um, go ahead. It's what is it called? There, it's it's a series of games. I think it was like released in either the nineteen nineties or two thousand, and it's called The Longest Journey. I do not know this game. You so the, so many games I don't know. <laughs> this is so fun for me. <laughs> so The Longest Journey, um, I haven't actually played, but like you can find all of these games on Steam. They, I think they said they 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 sell it as like a, a bundle of three. So it's The Longest Journey. Dreamfall, The Longest Journey, and Dreamfall Chapters. And my favorite one is the second one. So Dreamfall, The Longest Journey, is follows uh, it follows her around, um, and she's trying to find her her um, her ex boyfriend Reza, who um, asked her to get him something um, very sensitive because he's a journalist and he was going to expose someone and suddenly he's not there anymore. And you're trying to figure out what the big conspiracy is. And then you are pushed into a different universe and like a different parallel Classic. universe. <laughs> of course. Um, while all of this is happening, you basically somehow shift into this other plane uh, that's like filled with magic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the 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 first area is like here, but in the future. Um, but the other plane is sort of like in a magical land where like magic is real and there are uh, uh, creatures that aren't human and stuff like that. Um, and that kind of uh, fall and and then and then you sort of meet the character, the main character from the first game. Uh, um, <clears throat> sorry, but, uh, yeah, it's been really, really amazing. Just like 
having the, the, the concept of the game is really, um, really interesting. I know that I didn't make it sound like it was much, <laughs> but I really don't want to spoil anything for anybody who might want to play it. That is fair. I also I also noticed that anytime you've been describing one of these games to me, like it's always uh, the narrative that you end up saying instead of like, I don't know, different technical things or like what genre it is. Um, it sounds like, you know, that is something that you find really compelling or maybe the most compelling in games is the narrative. Is that right? Absolutely. I find that um, a good narrative that um, complements the mechanics or vice versa, the, mecha- the a good set of mechanics that can complement uh, a good narrative can make a really cool, really interesting game that like lasts in, in people's memories. The mechanics have to make sense, of course, for, for, for the, the of theme course. of the game and the, and the narrative and, and everything. But um, personally, I feel that some of the best games or some of my favorite games, at least, have uh, not necessarily like dialogue or anything but um a good narrative which means a a world right like a world right like uh to 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 bring another game um to bring up another game um inside i think another one i don't know wow this is this is i'm just really seeming like i've never played a video game in my life i swear dear listeners i play video games I, I promise. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Inside is a really good um, game. I think you could get it on the Switch and on PC and some other, some other. Um, it's by the same people who made Limbo. Mm-hmm. That see game I know. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it's by the same people, um, and it's sort of like the same feel. It's the same sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no context to why this kid is running away from whatever they're running away from. And all you're doing is just executing whatever mechanics that you can and figuring out like the puzzles and everything while also uncovering the story without having been, been told anything, which I think is really, really, really amazing. And that's some, a type of storytelling that I really love seeing because it takes a lot of effort, like knowing now having um, done a lot of level design and, meetings about level design and talking about level design um, in this program and for this game it's you've you have to present things in a very strategic way so that you can the the player can notice mm-hmm. what's going on and be like oh and put it together in their head and i find that really really amazing that is yeah that is some that's a, just a really beautiful sentiment about uh how game design can be really magical and and very unique. It's it's such a unique medium games. It is, you know, interactive, but it's still often story driven and it's visually beautiful and it's uh, sonically beautiful and uh, games are cool. Games are amazing. <laughs> I love games so much. Hire me, please. <laughs> um, traditionally, my last question is always, uh, what have you been playing lately? Oh, that is a good question. What have I been playing lately? Oh, Omori. I've mm-hmm. been playing okay, Omori. game I know. Omori is, has a very similar feel to Undertale. And I think was developed in the same amount of time and is so wow. much more. It's so <laughs> long. My friend mm-hmm. and I were playing this game 
and I think we got up to 30 hours of playing. That is a lot. And just for one of the endings, Mm -hmm. it's honestly inconceivable to me that That they that they've developed this 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 amazing game in such a in such a short amount of time i think two years as well it's it's and it's beautiful it's 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 exactly um the the sort of aesthetic that i i really enjoy um from from games sort of like that 2d top down um feel but it's it's I've really just my my brain's just been stuck on that game for for a while. And I yeah, wanna, I understand why it seems long. <laughs> it's very long, um, and I want to just sort of figure out. I want to find all of all of the things. I want I want to know everything about this game. I wanna I want to see. I want to push the boundaries. I mean, I think that's partially me. Um, yeah, I was gonna say this sounds very much like the attitude of a game designer. <laughs> Like, I want to see what's possible. Like, can I interact with something this way? Or like, um, I want to see how much thought that they put into it because it seems like it's been, it's like, it's a lot of thought that that's, it's a lot of decisions. And my producer self is looking at this mm-hmm. game and thinking, this must have been a nightmare to, 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 to organize. It's, I, I was just, I, I, I know that how I was doing for vertical slice and that was a six month uh project but Mm -hmm. for a two-year project of that scope that Mm -hmm. is incredible yeah and i'm sure that it was two years of just constantly all consuming just working on they they couldn't have slept a single like they they, they couldn't have slept like there's no way there's absolutely no way also, that's something that is so normalized, though, about um, the games industry. I mean, all the way up to AAA games, that it's incredibly common and to be in a crunch time where you're expected to put in ridiculous hours. Um, and that is not, for the record, not something I think that is good about the industry. I think is <laughs> incredibly damaging and is going to have very long-lasting health effects and... Um, I think little by little the tide is changing, but then again, we can be like, wow, this incredibly long game was made in only two years, and it's, eh. who I knows how healthy it was that done was. Right? It's incredible <laughs> that they, it, they took two years to make this game, but like. Yeah, and, and there's a big difference between um, forcing other people to work in that sort of crunch environment versus, you know a smaller project everyone being incredibly passionate um wanting to put in in that time yeah uh because on you know smaller projects you have more control and so i'm sure someone was like yeah i want to do this in two years and i know what it's going to take the problem with small projects though is you keep wanting to add things all the time (laughs) and i can definitely tell you that as a person who like i love to add stuff i love ridiculous things um, there's a part in the game that um, the creative director of the, the vertical slice turns to turns to us and he looks at me and he says, I want to put a helicopter in this game. And I immediately <laughs> I turned to him and I said, no, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> We're no not doing that. <laughs> so it's good. That's that's why producers are, are good. You need someone to be able to say no. <laughs> Call your dreams. <laughs> like I know that you really want to put a helicopter. Oh my god! And and I know um, our tech director um, had 
had gone back and was like, I think I can add this. And I have to keep saying, stop it. Why are you doing that? We're, we're not. The, stop it. There's no DLC. We're not doing that. Stop. Which I know that you love to program, but no, we're not. No. <laughs> That's uh, necessary to yeah. have someone to step in and, <laughs> you know, kill some babies and uh, metaphorical babies. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> to make sure the games actually get finished. Because, you know, uh, a finished game is better than an unfinished one. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Vertical Slice, everyone should obviously go uh, play that game. Where can they find it? And also, where can they find you? Oh, okay. So I have a Twitter, which is great. Um, it's my professional Twitter, so anybody can go and see what I tweet up there. It's not just video games, I promise. Uh, <laughs> but I did pin the uh the link to our game on there so anybody who um wants to check out um that game can just go to my twitter should i say the the twitter handle or uh we will we can put it in the um the show notes um for people to check out there um but everyone should absolutely follow you on twitter and check out your game Everyone should also follow The Maid uh, and check out what we're doing. This podcast goes up weekly, um, although Made in Progress goes up sporadically. So, you know, it'll be around sometimes. Um, but if you want more Made content and want po- episodes of the podcast early, you should become a patron on our Patreon and you get episodes up to a week early, which is very exciting. Uh Last thing is that if you know anyone who would be great for Made in Progress, who I should talk to, you can always let us know. Our email is info at themade.org, or you can DM us on Twitter, get in contact with us. However, I'm Leland, and happy gaming. And then outro music. Thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you've got any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, shoot us an email at info at We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep The Maid afloat. Uh, Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we will continue that with future episodes every week.